Grace, mercy, and peace to you, beloved, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text is the appointed gospel lesson, especially the first part dealing with the questions that Jesus asked of his disciples. And we're going to consider this under a confession from heaven. A confession from heaven. Dear friends in Christ, does it matter? Does it matter what we believe about Jesus? Does it matter what we say about Jesus? Well, obviously, gathering here, we know it does. It does. So you heard, you heard in the gospel what Jesus said to Peter, what Jesus said about Peter, or more specifically, what Jesus said about what Peter said about him. A blessing. Jesus pronounced a blessing. Jesus spoke a blessing to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, he said. Blessed are you in what you have said, in what you have confessed about me. Because your confession, dear Peter, your words, dear Peter, these aren't from flesh and blood. These aren't from men. No, they're from heaven, from heaven itself, from my Father and your Father in heaven. And so Jesus is very clear that it does matter, and it matters very much what we believe about him, what we say about him. And Jesus is also showing us that these words that Peter spoke really weren't his own. Of course, asking Peter, he would own up to these words, this confession. These words came from his mouth. Peter spoke them well enough, but Peter was merely echoing. Peter was merely repeating a truth, a truth revealed to him from above, from heaven, from God the Father. The amazing truth, the wonderful truth, the gospel truth that that man standing before him, that ordinary looking man by the name of Jesus is, he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that was and that is and that will always be the Father's revelation about the One who again once stood before Peter, who once walked among men, conceived and born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the one who suffered and died and rose again, the one who ascended into heaven, the one who sits and reigns and rules at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, the one who will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yet the one who is here in this place, in every place, where two or three gather in his name, though of course invisibly among us. These words, dear friend, were revealed to Peter. Peter, a man who so often acted without thinking, a man who so often stuck his foot in his mouth, a man so much like us. And these were the words by which Peter, Peter was blessed. And we too, we are blessed as well. Blessed along with Peter 
as we welcome this truth, this heavenly truth from God the Father. As we speak this truth, confess this truth, live by this truth, and one day die, fall asleep in this truth. So folks, there they were, as Matthew writes for us, in the district of Caesarea Philippi. There they were. This is some 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's near the foot of Mount Hermon, one of the sites put forward for Jesus' transfiguration. There they were. Why? Because of mounting opposition from the Jewish religious leaders. And so that Jesus could spend some time with his disciples and teach them. There they were. No doubt fresh in their minds was the most recent encounter that Jesus had with the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's how Matthew chapter 16 began, with those Jewish religious leaders confronting Jesus, demanding of Jesus a sign from heaven, a sign from heaven. But Jesus flatly refused and he left that place by boat. So there they were. They must have been confused about this. The disciples, of course, they believed in Jesus. They were following Jesus, learning from Jesus. Yet it must have been hard for them to understand why Jesus would refuse to provide this sign from heaven, refusing to give them this sign that might have brought these religious leaders on board with his mission, with his ministry. Perhaps they were thinking, Jesus, you know, if you had just given one them this sign, a really good sign, maybe they wouldn't be opposing us still, but rather they would be on our side. But that wasn't to be. So there they were again in the district of Caesarea Philippi, in an area that's long connected with idolatry. There were little shrines to the Greek god Pan. There in that area, Herod had built a temple for Augustus Caesar for his worship. There possibly also were areas where there was the worship to the false god Baal. And on the way to that place, Jesus had warned the disciples about the yeast, the yeast of those religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, Matthew tells us at first the disciples were confused. They often were. They were confused. They thought that Jesus was talking about ordinary bread. Why? Because they had forgotten to bring bread along with them for the journey. But finally, Jesus' words sunk in and they realized that Jesus was talking about the teaching, the teaching of these Jewish religious leaders, which is like yeast and spread. You see, the problem with these religious leaders wasn't that they sincerely wanted to believe in Jesus and all they needed was one more sign from heaven, perhaps a good sign to get them on board with Jesus. No, their problem was they had already made up their minds. They rejected Jesus. They rejected what he said, what he taught, 
and their teaching was like yeast. It was spreading to the people around them. They were teaching the people to do the same thing, to reject Jesus and his teaching. So when the disciples and Jesus entered that district of Caesarea Philippi, again an area long associated with wrong ideas about God, Jesus asked his disciples a question about God, a very simple question, yet an eternally significant question. Who do people, who do the crowds, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And so we notice that Jesus didn't ask about the Jewish religious leaders. Who do these Jewish religious leaders say that I am? Because it was already clear. It was clear. They were saying that Jesus was a charlatan. They were saying Jesus was an imposter. If you look back to Matthew chapter 12, they even said that Jesus was Beelzebub, the prince of demons. No, Jesus' concern was about the people, about the crowds, about the men, not yet influenced by their false teaching. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples were able to answer. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now all these answers speak quite highly of Jesus All these answers show how Jesus had made a tremendous impression on the people. Great men of God. John the Baptist. Elijah. Great men of God. Each of them sent by God. Each of them on a divine mission. Each of them God used to speak His word. Thus says the Lord. To stand up against godlessness sin and immorality. Each of these men opposed, ignored, hated, or persecuted and killed for their mission. So the people had a very noble idea about Jesus, about his identity, but their ideas were wrong. They were wrong. Their ideas, in fact, as Jesus tells us, comes from men from flesh and blood. They were not the heavenly revelation from heaven, the revelation of God the Father, the source of all blessedness. That's why all of us need to be very careful to listen and pay close attention to what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And to understand Realize that these words and words like them, they're not from men. They're not from earth. They come from heaven. They come directly from God the Father in heaven. So friends, let's not think as we look at this in terms of smart and stupid or worthy and unworthy that the people, the Jewish religious leaders, somehow were stupid And they weren't worthy to embrace this truth that comes from heaven. But Peter and the other disciples were smart and more deserving. No, let's think of grace. Grace, the revelation about Jesus Christ as the Christ, 
from God the Father was by grace, pure grace. Grace flowing from the Father in heaven through His Son He sent to earth and the words, the words that He spoke. Slowly, slowly as the disciples walked with Jesus and watched Jesus, as the disciples listened to Jesus and learned from Jesus, slowly this heavenly revelation sunk in that the disciples, and in this case Peter, might confess it, believe and confess it, live by it, die by it, and be blessed by it. Now with school starting soon, of course our teachers are gearing up for beginning of what may be a very interesting school year. And as we think about that, think about also education, all education in general, but in particular Christian education. It also pertains to Sunday school. Think of how many times our Sunday school teachers or our Christian day school teachers get to tell the students, the children, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is with you always. Jesus will bless you before these kids finally get the gospel. And before grown up, when grown-ups and parents and teachers and others begin to see and hear the gospel reflected in these kids' words and actions. Dear friends, Christian education, like all education, is a very slow process. But Christian education is also unique in this, that it's an ongoing process. It is a never-ending process. If you haven't attended for a while, take the inquirer's class. Attend Bible class and Sunday school. We as Christians must never stop hearing, reading, and learning. Hearing, reading, and learning about Jesus, the gospel, and his love. You see, today God the Father continues to reveal the truth from heaven about Jesus, but not as he did when Jesus walked among men long ago. Today, God the Father reveals this truth about His Son Jesus in the Bible, the Word of the Bible. In the Bible, God the Father speaks to us, and God the Father graciously reveals to us this heavenly truth about Jesus that we might be blessed. And this truth about Jesus, it's like all truth. It's very narrow. Think about education. Think about how many answers there are to the question, what is one plus one? There's only one right answer, but a multitude of wrong answers. So too, there's only one right answer to the question, who is Jesus? But there are many wrong answers. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, their answers were definitely evil. But the peoples, though it sounded noble, they were still wrong. All of them, as Jesus tells us, originated in the minds of men. There's only one God-inspired answer, and it comes to us today through the word of the Bible. Yes, you and I and others who believe in Jesus can speak this truth about Jesus in many different ways. For example, Peter in John chapter 6 would say to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But if this truth 
correctly represents what the Bible tells us about Jesus, about who Jesus is and what he did and does, it is in fact heaven sent. It's heavenly. It comes directly to us from God the Father. And along with Peter, we are blessed. Blessed. This blessedness is certainly what you and I need. Not when life is going well, but especially when life comes crashing down around us. When we or a loved one is seriously sick. When we or a loved one is facing death. When problems and troubles and challenges pile up and it seems like they're going over our head. We need this certainty that we are blessed through the confession, through the truth, through the revelation that comes from heaven that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ. The Christ is the one God promised throughout the Old Testament. The Christ is the one who would be born of the seed of the woman, coming to crush the head of the serpent. The Christ is the one who is in true man and true God, our perfect Savior, our perfect substitute without sin, keeping the law of God perfectly for us and then offering His life, shedding His blood to cover all of our sins and the damnation we deserve. The fact that this confession, this truth, this revelation is not from men, not from flesh and blood, not of this earth, but comes from heaven, from God the Father. This is the source of your blessedness and mine. The way of faith, the way of discipleship, the way of our blessedness is by listening to God, learning from God, and through faith saying, confessing to God, and to everyone around us what we have heard, what we have learned, and what we believe that comes to us through the Bible. God is very pleased when you and I say, confess to Him and to others what He has revealed to us from heaven, what He has spoken to us in His Word. Think about it, friends. What a relief. What a relief that you and I do not have to come up with some cute way, some new way, some unique way of confessing Jesus Christ. All we need do is learn what God tells us in His Bible, in the Bible, and then say that to God and to people around us. And so, my dear friends, recognize and reject all the wrong ideas that flesh and blood have about Jesus. You see, around us, many people are going to say, who's Jesus? Well, who cares? Or they'll say, well, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a miracle worker. But the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way through which we get to God the Father... They'll say, no, no. So instead, we listen to God in His Word, His heavenly revelation, and learn from Him what we are to believe, what we are to to confess. And like Peter, may we boldly confess the truth that comes to us in His Word and take comfort that by this truth, 
you and I are truly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.